Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. But he don't ever get rattled, he just goes till the sun goes down. Welcome to Food Chat. Food Chat is where we talk about all things food. Your host, Greg Bloom, and myself, Chef Jackson Lamb, we meet once a week to discuss all aspects of food, and we bring in some terrific guest speakers. Well, today we have... Such a team, we have Chelsea Dininger and Bob Shork from the Colorado Dry Bean Committee. Well, Chelsea and Bob, welcome to Food Chat. Thanks, Jackson. Thanks for having us. Okay, you know what? I've got to go one at a time. So, Chelsea, I'm delighted that you're here. Chelsea, could you tell our audience exactly who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Chelsea Dittinger, and I am the Executive Director for the Colorado Dry Bean Committee. I am also a food science and human nutrition PhD student, and I graduate this year, and my focus, as you might expect, is beans. Delightful. And Bob, welcome. I, uh, I'm delighted that you're on the show as well. Bob, what is your role in the world of beans? <laughs> I am the administrator for the Colorado Dry Bean Committee and basically do the books and uh, keep track of statistics. Well, very good, Bob. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, let's just get started with a couple of questions that we prepared here. Chelsea, I'll start with you today. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I'm a big bean fan. Uh, plant-based cuisine is what we eat at my house, but why don't people eat more beans? What's, is, there a, is there a hiccup in the way people uh, uh, are purchasing and are consuming products? What's your take on that? Yeah, it's a great question, and there are actually a lot of kind of underlying reasons that we actually can address, and there's research and everything to address all that. But I think one of the problems is that people just really aren't that familiar with beans or a lot of people might not be. So maybe they like having beans in chili and maybe they like refried beans and that's kind of the only two times that they often eat beans. So just kind of showcasing how incredibly versatile beans are is really important so that we can have all the benefits for public and environmental health of people eating more and just sharing the story of beans because there's so much there that maybe people just haven't heard about before. You know, beans are incredible for sustainability. They're really important for local food systems in a lot of parts of the world and certainly here in Colorado. And just sharing all these pieces kind of bring that story together and will help encourage people to eat more beans when they realize all the benefits. Very good. You know, unfortunately, here in the West, we get kind of tied up uh, with Hispanic foods. And, you know, of, of course, beans are international. They're all over the world. And so I think that's probably part of the public's uh, um, misconception of, of how beans can be worked into our diet on a regular basis. Right. All right. Um, Greg, you want to uh, take the next question for Bob? Sure, sure. Hey, Bob, um, welcome to the Food Chat episode on beans. And the title of this show is, you know, why we should eat more beans. And so uh, as we kind of round that out today, I'll start with a question for you. You know, Colorado uh, is a great bean-growing state, and probably most people don't know that because they're not out in the ag areas, the rural areas where beans are grown. But 
about what type what type of beans are grown in Colorado? Uh, three primary pr- primary types. Pinto is our number one bean, and then we also grow a lot of Maricopa or yellow beans, and the third big one is light red kidney beans. Light red kidney beans. Yeah, and, you know, I know there's a few other uh, smaller crops, but, you know, pinto beans by consumption are the number one driver for consumption and um, for also, you know, just uh, the, the growing. Why, why do farmers in Colorado grow beans? I mean, these are they only growing beans? Or do they rotate beans into their, into their crop system? How does that work? They're mostly a rotational crop, which means that they, you alternate years between different uh, types of crops. So if corn, wheat, beans are a typical Colorado farmer's rotation, and they all have a benefit. Uh, beans in particular uh, are known as the uh, soil fixer because they put more nitrogen back into the soil than they take out. And they also help with both pest control and weed control by rotating crops like that. Right. And, you know, Jackson and I were able to go up um, year and, a year ago to go watch a bean harvest. And, you know, I didn't know that the bean stalks, uh, Bob, are actually dried out on the vine and then harvested. Uh, so maybe you could explain that to us. Why do they do that? Why do they dry the bean out rather than cut it while it's green? Well, that's an interesting question, Greg, because the newest trend in especially pinto beans are an upright variety uh, that the bean breeders are working on. <clears throat> Those are cut directly, which means they have to be desiccated or basically stop growing so that they'll dry out and the pods are ready for the combine to come through and get the beans out. The more traditional type and for other beans other than pintos, is they are knifed in the field, which basically kills the bean. They then lie on the ground for a period of almost a week as they dry out, and again, the same process. Then the combine can come by with the dried-out bean pods and get the seeds out without uh, hurting the, the seeds. I see. I was just amazed at how uh, efficient the whole thing is, and then you see the combine cutting the dry bean spot that's uh, that's upright. It's not on the ground. It's not laying on the ground like you said. It's upright, and then the the machine can separate the bean from the pod and then blow all the remnants back out onto the field, which is adding nitrogen and uh, other beneficial uh, soil enhancers back to the to the soil. It's just really kind of a neat thing to see. It is. You know, Bob, uh, the mechanization that we saw at the uh, Northern uh, Bean and Feed, I believe it was, fantastic how they separate the beans from any other particulate matter that might have been picked up in the field. Right. You know, the, uh, the machinery that they have, I just think it's great. All right, well, listen, let's move on. Hey, Chelsea, let's bring you back into the fold. And, you know, how do we know that beans are actually good for us? You know, I know there's a lot of yeah. jokes out there about beans, but, uh, you know, on, in the big picture, you know, it's plant-based cuisine. It really does agree with everybody. What's your take on that? Yeah, there is a lot of research out there that links beans to just a super impressive list of health benefits. So gut health is one of them. It's a new hot topic, right? Also healthy weight management, and that could be because they're so packed with fiber and protein to keep us full. And chronic disease prevention, too. So that includes, like, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, 
certain cancers like colorectal cancer and heart disease. But one thing that's been really interesting that we're kind of seeing more and more in recent years is this talk of blue zones. And so blue zones are areas in the world where the health span of people is very long. So it's not just their lifespan that's long, but it's the part of their lifespan for which they are healthy, hence health span. And so people have been looking at kind of what do these diets look like in these blue zones? Why are people living so long and so healthfully? And guess what one of the staple foods is for people in these regions? It's beans. And so, again, just lots of exciting stuff coming out there, but beans really do form a key part of a healthy diet. Very good. You know, the next question we had was, what are some of those health benefits of eating beans? You know, does it help with weight loss? Does that help with cholesterol? Uh, What are some of the things that the average consumer might not know? Yeah, well, like I mentioned, it can kind of prevent the things we don't want to see, right, those chronic diseases, and it can also improve gut health and healthy weight management. And a lot of, you know, there could be a lot of reasons that these benefits are happening because beans are super nutrient dense. So they're a great source of plant protein, and that can be whether you are vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, no matter what your diet is, right, they're a good source of plant protein and of micronutrients like potassium. People often think of bananas for potassium, but beans are also great for potassium too. And one, you know, they're low in fat. And really, really importantly, they are one of the best natural sources of fiber. So in much of the world, and definitely in the U.S., we don't get enough fiber. And we really want fiber for a lot of different reasons, including gut health, and including maybe helping keep us full, which again ties back to weight management. But if you're looking for a great source of fiber that's also affordable, that also has a long shelf life, Beans are the way to go. So a lot of those health benefits we're seeing, they could be linked to that fiber. Yeah, I was able to hear um, your comments last year, Chelsea, at the Bean Summit and also Dr. Henry Thompson's about the importance of of beans in a diet. And, you know, I think the the real tangible challenge to Americans uh, that grow up here is that uh, Perhaps they didn't grow up in a home where mom was soaking beans or cooking beans on a regular basis, you know. So, you know, I was down in Mexico last week and uh, um, selling Colorado beans, go figure. And down there, you know, mom is making pinto beans or black beans, depends on what part of Mexico you're in. It's interesting, the northern part of Mexico is is more pinto beans. And then as you get, like, down to where Mexico City is and you go south towards Central America, then it kind of switches over to black beans. But my point is they're eating beans every day. So here's a question for you, Chelsea. What do you think is a reasonable amount of bean consumption per week that Americans should target for? I mean, I don't think people are going to eat beans every day, but what, what do you think would be a good target for someone trying to incorporate healthy beans into their diet? Well, I have to say that I do actually think that beans every day is a great option. And so that is one of the things that Blue Zones does recommend is really have them included in every day because to really benefit from the health benefits of something, you want it to be a staple. So I can, you know, you've met me, I can, you can attest to the fact I do eat beans every day, so it is doable. Uh, but a reasonable amount, you know, you can also look at the dietary guidelines for the recommendations. And it depends on your age and your gender and everything. But I'd say, you know, start small, maybe if beans aren't a regular part of your diet, start with a quarter cup or a half cup a day and then kind of work up that you may be getting a cup or a cup and a half a day. That's where we're kind of seeing a lot of the health benefits really kick in. Uh, But it's easier to do than you would think because beans are really versatile and there are 
so many different ways that you can incorporate them. I had beans in my waffle this morning. I had a bean brownie with my tea at, you know, 6 a.m. because that's how you should start your day, right? And then you can have beans and salads and soups. You can puree them so that they go in baked goods, so that they go in smoothies. Um, dips are a great option because you can just incorporate a lot of them there. So kind of just show, you know, all the versatile ways to enjoy them. And something like a Mayakoba bean is very different in taste and color than a pinto bean, right? So you can use the different types of beans to make sure that you're also enjoying the different potential health benefits that may come with different types of beans, too. Great. Excellent. Thank you. Good job there, Chelsea. You know, I think that, um, and of course, while here we are in Colorado and we do specialize in the pinto, the mayacopa, and the light red kidney bean, when we look at international cuisines like Italian bruschetta, you know, that is cannellini beans that have been uh, pureed and then put over uh, Italian bread. Uh, we look at hummus, and again, uh, we're using a different type of pulse where we're going to create this wonderful uh, Middle Eastern product. So it's so much more international, and I think that uh, in the Western United States, we forget about the international appeal of beans all over the place. Right. Um, yeah, so I think that works out great. Um, so with that, you know, Chelsea, um, I will say that sometimes people say to me, oh, beans, they don't uh, uh, agree with my digestive tract. You know, how do you, how do you uh, answer that kind of a question? Yes. Well, I told you I am doing my PhD in beans. So believe me, I've gotten more than my fair share of farting jokes, right? But <laughs> I think the thing is a lot of people actually – don't respond negatively to beans. So there's there's perception, but if you look at the research, a lot of people don't experience any symptoms, or if they do, they adjust to them within a couple days or a week or so, because like we said, beans are full of fiber, and so any change you make in your diet, it takes a little bit of time to, for your body to get used to that, right? So I think the, the tips, if you even experience any discomfort to begin with, which again, a lot of people don't, Start small and kind of work up to it to give your body time and or just keep at it for a week or so and see because you'll get used to it. But again, versatility is another option here. So there are so many different types of beans. And if one type doesn't seem to be agreeing with you, we'll try another type because that your body might respond better to that. So those are some tips. And also, if you are cooking dry beans in the home, which I would highly recommend, then one of the things you can do is you can discard the soaking water. So you can soak them, discard that water, and cook in fresh water. And there's some research that suggests that that could also help. Interesting. Excellent stuff. You know, Chelsea, you, you mentioned uh, dry beans. So let's kind of drift into dry beans versus canned beans. You know, I recently, two quick stories I'll share. One was I made black bean soup at home using dry beans and an Instapot. And the Instapot, which is a, a pressure cooker, really helps maintain the flavor of those black beans when they come out. And so here I am just really enjoying working with this Instapot. The beans are done. We take them out. I take half the beans and I puree them. And then I add them back mm -hmm. to the whole beans. We had a great mouthfeel there. Uh, yeah. With that, we're going to add some jalapenos, some, uh, some onions, and some uh, chilies and adobo with a squiggle of sour cream over the top. This is fantastic. Well, then the <laughs> irony is 
I get called in to substitute for a cooking class at school last week, and what's on the menu? Black bean soup. But we were using canned beans. And so, you know, then it becomes just assembly. And as I'm watching the students put that together, I was just reflecting on the quality of the soup that I made the week before, which was so much better. Could you address the canned versus uh, uh, dry beans and uh, uh, what sells the most, or are they? Do they both have uh, equal market appeal? Yeah, I think it it depends on the audience, right? Some people do prefer to work with only dry. Some people prefer to work with only canned. In the U.S., we do use a lot of canned beans just because of that kind of convenience factor, and or because people just don't know how to cook dry beans. So it's again, it's something we'd really recommend. We do have tips for cooking dry beans and for making them cook faster if convenience is an issue on the Colorado Dry Bean website, which is coloradodrybeans.org. But there are, you know, there are different benefits to both, right? It have a few cans in your pantry for if you need to get some bean dish going quickly, but really would recommend cooking with the dry beans too because you can have the benefits of, for example, knowing you're supporting local farmers. Excellent. Thank you so much. Hey, Bob, the four of us were able to uh, work together last year, Chef Jackson and I and Chelsea and you, and we put on the, I think, with the first ever Bean Summit in Denver, and it was a great success. Bob, I'm going to ask you in just a second about maybe some of your takeaways from that and and why people would want to maybe think about going to the one that's coming up in in March, coming right up around the corner. Uh, But before I do that, I just want to just say that the Bean Summit is coming up on Thursday, March 2nd, and it's in Arvada. And like Chelsea said, the bean website for Colorado Dry Beans is coloradodrybeans.org. And at coloradodrybeans.org, that's where you'd find out about the Bean Summit, the agenda, and then all kinds of other great things about Colorado Dry Beans. And uh, so, Bob, what were some of your takeaways from the Bean Summit last year, and, and why do you think people might be interested in going this year? My biggest takeaway was what a great job both you and Jackson did in getting that first one started, which was a big success. And we're hoping to build on that with this one coming up on March 2nd. Um, It it was different, and we were appreciative of that. Most bean summits that are held in other states always focus on basically research and just the the, uh, growing aspect. And your bean summit, really focused on the cultural aspects and more of the health and nutritional benefits of it. The other big success was that uh, Jackson hooked us up with the Hispanic Restaurant Association, who I think were arguably the highlight of the show. Their cooking competition and the uh, judges that Jackson and you brought in uh, really made it a success. And I think the Chelsea is directing and, and supervising this next one. It will also come from a different perspective than we've seen in the uh, industry so that we've got both Nebraska and Wyoming, who are our neighbor states, which are also big bean-growing states, participating. So I think it's something really to look forward to. Great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Chelsea, why don't you speak a little bit about the the upcoming Bean Summit? You've you've really put that together this year, and so uh, maybe you could just give us a preview. Yeah, we're incredibly excited for this event and hope folks will join. And like Bob mentioned, we really appreciate the strong foundation that you both provided us with. But what we'll be doing is kind of taking a farm-to-table approach. So we're going to kind of 
you know, have, of course, a, a welcome and everything, but then share a little bit about what bean production looks like in the few of our states just to kind of paint the picture and show people, wow, these are three states that grow a lot of beans because a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, and then we'll have a grower panel, which we're excited about that, too, because a lot of folks don't ever have the chance to talk to people who are out in the field growing beans. We'll have some growers that folks can ask questions to an RD, which a dietitian. We'll be sharing a little bit about the nutrition of beans. Uh, some companies that are working with local beans will be there. And again, the Hispanic Restaurant Association, who's doing a huge part of helping coordinate this with us. They're going to be preparing lunch for everyone. Their uh, five chefs will be preparing lunch, and then the audience will actually get to vote for the, the winners for a few different categories. And I just got off a call with the Hispanic Restaurant and Association and some of their chefs earlier this morning. And so they have some fantastic things coming, including like the desserts and everything. And then a chef panel after that so that people can actually get a chance to talk to the chefs then too. And a local institution panel. So what are some of the institutions that are actually working with local dry beans? Because even though we grow a lot of beans here, not all institutions do that so that we can just kind of hear some tips and why these folks think beans are so important. And then we'll wrap up with some trivia and bean swag. So pop quiz, but in a very light sense of the word of, you know, did you learn some fun things today and have some bean swag to take home? So that's kind of what the event looks like. And it is Thursday, March 2nd from 9.30 to 2 p.m. So we really hope people can join. Great. Thank you. You know, Chelsea, um, I'm not aware of what bean swag is, but <laughs> I'd, I'd be willing to show up just to check it out. Right, exactly. Very good. You know, you you mentioned institutional use, and I've got mm-hmm. a lot of uh, experience working with uh, uh, local food banks, local food rescue uh, uh, organizations. So um, do you see that there's a lot of requests for, for beans from people like uh, Catholic uh, uh, Charities or from the Food Bank of the Rockies? So actually, Food Bank of the Rockies is one of the institutions that will be there, and They'll have some great insights to share about why their clients are requesting dry beans. So why they want to work with them, why it's important to kind of you know meet the desires of of their clients and everything. So we're excited to hear from like like I just said, Food Bank of the Rockies, also Boulder Valley School District. Their school food project will be there, and then East Denver Food Hub will be there as well. So this is you know three different folks through different institutions that can provide different lenses about, again, why this is an important issue and why they are seeing demand for local beans and why they're excited to support local farmers. Well, you know, part of the mission of Food Chat, uh, this whole podcast, is reconnecting people to their food and helping people understand how the food gets to their table. And this Bean Summit fits right into that agenda. You know, is where you have a, a, a grower panel, and then you have an all-star lineup of chefs that are going to cook it. So I'm excited. I can't wait for it. Um, Chelsea, I just have a question back about um, dry beans versus canned beans. And, and I, I have a comment first that there's a time and place for both, right? But when I go out to um, try to sell Colorado dry beans or promote them, I get a lot of pushback sometimes from school districts or from restaurants or from hospitals. They just love that number 10, that big one-gallon can of beans. Um, and even food banks sometimes get these canned beans donated from the USDA and their programs to help feed people, which is great. But I think people need to understand 
that Colorado dry beans don't end up at canneries in this state. There are no more canneries in Colorado, right. and I know because I grew up next to the last one that was here, Cooner in Brighton, and that label lives on, but the canner is gone, and that's all a can now out of state. So I would love to get people back into the routine of soaking beans and learning how to cook beans from the dry state because they are so much cheaper. And just think about the environmental mm -hmm. benefits too. You're not shipping beans from Colorado to Michigan, then back in cans, paying freight both ways, you know, so it's just better all around. But do you have any comments about that, Chelsea? Well, I think, again, dry beans, if you haven't tried it or if you haven't tried it in a while, give it a try. It's a great chance to support local farmers and to kind of experience some more versatility, right? I haven't seen canned Mayakoba beans yet, but those are something we grow a lot of in this state, and you can get dry, and they're one of people's favorite beans. After they try them, they're added to their bean rotation, and they're one that folks tell me that they keep eating more and more of, and I love them as well. And I think for dry beans, there are so many different ways you can cook them too. Like you can do stovetop, you can do instant pot, like Chef mentioned, or you can do a slow cooker approach too. So a slow cooker may take longer, but it's incredibly hands-off. You know, you put it in, and then they're ready for dinner. So there are lots of different ways to cook canned, or sorry, to also to cook canned beans, but lots of different ways to cook dry beans so that you can easily incorporate them into your daily life. Excellent. Hey, Bob, I've got a question for you. You know, last year during the Bean Summit, um, I started hearing the term heirloom strains of beans. And I, I believe that down in Alamosa, uh, we've got people growing some, some oddball types of beans, heirloom strains that we would never see in the supermarket. Can you expound upon that? I can. Uh, Chelsea would be the best one to answer that, Jackson. So let's ask her that question. Okay, very good. Chelsea, take it away. Yeah, so there are folks growing heirloom varieties. The production of heirlooms is a lot lower than it is for pinto, for mayacoba, and for light red kidney. Um, but, you know, they're in the Front Range area, uh, Northern Feed and Bean, I know they just started having orca beans available. There are also Anasazi beans grown down kind of in the Dove Creek area. Um, that's Adobe Milling. So there, just, there are heirloom varieties. I also know some local farmers who just grow very small amounts of certain types of beans, and it may vary every year. So that could be they provide it to their CSA or their community support agriculture. People who sign up to that CSA, they'll give them a certain amount of the dried beans that they're growing, and that might be something. I, I think he said maybe he grew tiger eye last year. So some really fantastic and beautiful varieties. So, I mean, beans are beautiful. <laughs> Look up some heirloom varieties too, and it's fun to incorporate those and get to talk to local farmers about that as well. Uh, in following up, Chelsea, I, that's fantastic. You know, I think often when I go to a farmer's market in the summer, I'm not buying Roma tomatoes. I'm buying heirloom tomatoes. And so mm -hmm. I would imagine that if somebody wanted to get heirloom strain beans, you really have to go to the source. It sounds like out in uh, Alamosa, there's not, as you said, they distributed to their local uh, community-sponsored agriculture program, the CSA. And uh, yeah. it doesn't really, they don't uh, journey out of the valley that much. So I guess if you want something totally different, you're going to have to seek it out. Yeah, heirloom varieties aren't as, as common. And part of that is just because maybe they aren't as easy to grow on a larger scale. Um, but there's something that's definitely fun to experiment with, too. 
Hey, Bob and Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on today. We're already out of time. We're at the end of our, our talk. But I want to just uh, remind the listeners that if you're looking for uh, where to get Colorado-grown beans or more about beans or to get in touch with Bob or Chelsea or to learn more about the com- upcoming Bean Summit, just go to coloradodrybeans.org. Hey, thanks, Bob and Chelsea, for coming on the show today. It was just a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you for hosting, and cheers to beans. Cheers to beans. Today's Food Chat episode is brought to you by the Colorado Dry Bean Committee and the hardworking farm families in Colorado that produce nutritious and delicious dry beans. Make Colorado-grown beans part of your weekly diet, and to find out where you can buy Colorado-grown beans and how to register for the upcoming 2023 Bean Summit, visit coloradodrybeans.org. shake money here's to the farmer's wife that loves him every night raising a son raising a daughter they gather around the table send it up to the father somehow they get closer when times get harder here's to the farmer The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.